few people coming down the front because Sinead's involved in a few different groups here within the church and they're going to offer their support this morning. But what we want to do is just hear your journey as to how God has led you to this point right now. And so you've, you've already written something down and we're looking forward to, to hearing what, what God has uh, said to you. So can you, you hold this microphone, hold hands and hold the notes. That's going to be uh, interesting. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, Thank you. First coming to the church, I heard the singing of worship echoing down the hill and it drove me to join in the Sunday services and continue to come. It was good for me spiritually and emotionally. Growing up as a child, it was a difficult time coming from a broken home to relocate with my sister and mum from New Zealand to Australia. Mum established a life and home for us in Brisbane where I spent most of my life growing up years in that time. I was introduced to the Mormon faith and began worship with my mum and sister. I really enjoyed the music and the studies that were, that were mainly on the Old Testament. <clears throat> As an adult, I experienced a downfall in my mental health, which eventuated to me being hospitalised for a period of time around Sydney and Orange for a year. Finally, I was well and stable enough with medication to move to a mental health refuge in Lismore, where my sister was living close by. Out of the hostel, I now have my own unit and have lived there for nearly five years, living supported with mental health workers. Thank you very much. Since being in this fellowship for four and a half years, during COVID as well, I have in the past and present felt loved, understood, accepted, safe and encouraged to feel confident to take part in seeking to learn more about Jesus and our faith. During this time, I've talked about baptism, but I wanted to learn more and understand more as well. And now that I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Saviour, I want to publicly acknowledge this, and now I am ready to be baptised. Today, I would also like to acknowledge God's grace surrounding me in such humble gardens, offered to me by our fellowship, my Bible studies group, Alpha Group, and my sister, brother-in-law, and their children. Lastly, thank you to all who have made it here today for my baptism. God bless. Now, I'm going to invite our special guest speaker, Graham. How about we show appreciation to Graham? Welcome, Graham. Well, thank you for having me, everybody. It's been a great day so far. Uh, so far, <laughs> yes. Now, um, it's going to be even better. We'll see. We'll see. It's hard to top that. Now, um, you're with Mauling College. I am. Is that right? Yep. Uh, what do you do at Mauling? What do I do? I teach at Mauling College. Uh, I teach people a, different, oh, a whole bunch of subjects. One's about how God looks at the world. One's about what God's doing in the world and how we're part of that. One's about what God's doing in the cities of the world, that sort of thing. So I teach. You're like an all-rounder. You teach just about everything. Whatever they tell me to do, I do. It's now, we've, we've got a bit of a connection. Not only is it our, our Baptist Training College here in New South Wales, we've had uh, Paul. Paul's uh, recently finished at Morling College. Cassandra's mm. currently at Morling College. So we have got a, a connection there. Steve went to Morling College. Yeah. I went to Morling. Yeah, so we've got a connection there. Yeah, great. So we want to thank you. You've come up um, over the weekend. We've got sort of some, a regional gathering on uh, on Monday. What, what's your experience of the Northern Rivers so far? Please oh, say something fantastic. nice. Say, say something nice. How could you not? <laughs> How could you not? I said, well, people have been really friendly. 
and uh, it's great. It's a beautiful part of the world, really, isn't it? So green. Yes. It is at the moment, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I lived in the desert for a long time. Like, we didn't see a blade of grass for years. And we'd come back and we'd just lie on the lawn because it was green. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but, it would, but this is just beautiful. So many trees. Yeah. Yeah, it's really well, good. Well, it's, it's great to have you here. As yeah. um, on Monday, we'll be gathering with uh, a number of other pastors from the, from the Northern Rivers, but it's an opportunity for you to come and preach, and, and we stole you and said, we'll have you here at, at, <laughs> at Lismore. So how about I, I pray, and then I'll hand sure. over to you. Sounds good. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you've brought Graham here. We thank you for the, for the work that you're doing through Morling College, through, through Graham and the other uh, team. We also thank you for your word, your word that springs uh, life and transformation. And we just uh, want to pray now as, as Graham opens up your word that uh, you will speak to us by your spirit for your glory and for your honour. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me today, everybody. It was worth coming for the baptism, I reckon. And that idea about kids collecting communion cups, that was pretty clever too. I'm going to steal that. Don't worry. So thank you very much for having me this morning. It's really good to be here. Uh, before we get underway, before... I start talking anyway. I wanted to read a bit of Colossians because that's what we're going to be looking at today. So if you've got a Bible there, we can read from the book of Colossians in the New Testament from chapter 1. And I'll be reading from verse 15 down to about verse 20. So I'll give you a minute to find that. Colossians chapter 1, reading from verse 15 down to verse 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So that's what we're going to be having a look at today. So like I said before, one of the... The subjects I teach is called Christian worldview. What that means is how God looks at the world and kind of calibrating the way we look at the world to the way God looks at the world. So today, it's kind of like a crash course in that. Uh, we'll get to Colossians in a minute. But if you've ever wondered what Bible college is like, this is going to be a little bit like that. Now, what I need you to do, I know uh, you need to think of something. Okay, what we do in this course is we get people to think of some part of their life. It might be the thing they do all day that they get paid to do. It might be the thing they do that they love it because they don't get paid. But something that you're really into, that you like, that you do, and we're going to look at that or start looking at that from God's perspective. In the class we've got right now, people have chosen... There's always a couple of guys who choose sport. Uh, we've got one guy who's chosen engineering... Uh, someone who's a graphic designer, so they're thinking about the worldview of graphic design. Somebody who wants to be a comedian, of all things. Uh, we're trying to think, we're working with Murray to work out what the Christian worldview of comedy is. It's really interesting uh, to have a chat to him and to help him think through that. So if you've got something in mind, it might be something you get paid to do, it might not be, 
might be something you love doing something you've got to think of it I'm not going to ask you there's no exam okay don't worry uh, we don't actually have many exams anymore because it's just too stressful for the students and too stressful for me to mark them as well so we, we don't have many exams no exam today okay so you can relax but we're going to go through four steps working out what God thinks of your thing and how you might think about it as well so okay, crea- creation is the first one uh, the fall is the second one redemption reconciliation that's the third one and new creation will be the fourth one. It sounds like a lot, but my lectures never go over time because the thing at college is there's a whole lot of classes happening at once. And if you go over time, all the morning tea gets eaten before your students get down there. So the main thing is to get there before the other classes and eat the morning tea before them. So don't worry, we've got plenty of time. We never run late because we always end up hungry if we do that. So creation. Start at the very beginning. Like the song says, it's a very good place to start. So Genesis 1 and 2 is what I'm thinking about there. Now, some of you will know that story pretty well. Some of you will have heard it more than once. And if you can, I don't have time to read it out this morning, but you'll know that through that story, God says, and it was, and it was good. It's kind of like almost a chorus. And that happens over and over again in those first few verses of, of Genesis. God said, let there be light, and there was light, and it was good. God said, and it was, and it was good. That happens over and over again. And then right at the end, there's a, just a little slight variation on that. When it's all said and done, God looks at all of it and says it's very good. I don't know if you've noticed that, but you probably have. So creation's a little bit like an orchestra. Each of the instruments is good, but together it's very good. So everything that you can see, and even things that you can't see, they actually get mentioned in Colossians, all of that's made by God. All of the great things, all of the best things about that world, the world that we're in, it's all made by God. And God gives people a special job in creation. He talks to them and says to them their job is to rule and fill. He uses words like subdue and to work the land and to take care of it, to protect it. So people have a special job in creation. And God has put all this potential into creation and it was our job at the beginning to unpack that and to develop that. I get the impression that before things went off the rails in Genesis 3, we'll get there in a minute, The whole thing was meant to be like a big Christmas day where God is just so generous and so creative and he's made all this stuff and he's put it all in here and it was our job to unpack that and see what that's like and go, wow, that's awesome, God, and to praise and honour him through doing that. That's what I think ruling and filling and subduing and taking care of. that's That's what that means, to do that sort of thing. So that was the original intention. The whole thing was going to be like a gigantic Christmas day because God made the potential for sound, right? He put that into the laws of physics. And then we were going to discover music and go, this is awesome, we can praise God with that. And God would go, fantastic. And it would just be like a big, long Christmas day. We use the raw materials that God has provided and the laws and the principles that he's built into creation to explore it all and to unpack it and to enjoy it and to honour him through doing that. So one of our students is an engineer and he's doing the Christian worldview of engineering. And I used to be an engineer too, so we're having good chats about that. Because we use the materials that God has put into the world and we use the laws that God has made, the laws of physics and all sorts of other rules, and we make pretty cool stuff. So I used to make trains for a living 
and I uh, still get excited whenever I see one of my trains. I, mean, I wasn't single-handed, right? There was a bunch of us doing it all together. But every now and again, I see one of my trains, and the kids are now sick of it. Oh, there's one of my trains, there's one of my... Oh, yeah, okay, Dad. Yeah, 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 right. But I still love it. And uh, it's all about using what God has made and the rules that God has made, the way he's made the world, and, um, and developing it and filling it and subduing it and taking care of the world that he's made. And those commands to our original parents, Adam and Eve, they still stand. They're still in force. They haven't been repealed. You're doing that in some way. You have some role to play in some part. Maybe it's a small part. My part of the industry that I made the trains. I was just one of many, many people. I had a small part, but nonetheless, it was a part in managing the world that God has made, in looking after it, in developing the potential that he'd put into it. So that's the way things were meant to be. But if you look around, you can see things are not like that. The world is far from perfect, and it is not working the way it was intended. Uh, We are not the people we were meant to be, and sometimes the world just goes wrong through no fault of anybody's. I think probably everyone in this room understands that. Why is it like that? Why isn't the world like it was meant to be? Well, I imagine some of you probably know part of the answer to that because in Genesis chapter 3, what we call the fall, sin entered into the world. So our original parents, Adam and Eve, they weren't happy with the arrangement they had living under God and taking care of things for him. They wanted to promote themselves, as it were, and to be the people who made the decisions about what was right and wrong. And that's actually what the Bible calls sin, our rebellion against God, thinking that we know better than God. And so the story goes, what they did, they ate the thing they weren't supposed to eat, that's what we call sin, and after that, everything went off the rails. If you read through Genesis chapter 3, you'll see that from that very simple action, actually a whole lot of brokenness came out of that. So when I came to church today, I was really excited to see the glass in the the windows. Is there one on this end too? Yeah. Yeah, because I used to work with glass a bit uh, just for something to do. And glass is funny stuff because it's, it's actually a frozen liquid. And uh, when you cut it or break it, it's, it can be quite tricky to get it to break the way you want it to break. Sometimes it just breaks and, you know, you can't do anything about it. And sin was a little bit like that. There was a tiny crack and it just ran in all sorts of different directions out of control. The relationship with God was broken, so you might remember our first parents thought they could hide from God. It it seems a bit ridiculous, but it's kind of tragic, isn't it? That they thought they they could somehow hide from God. So their relationship with God was broken. Their relationship with each other was broken. It talks about the man and the woman desiring to control each other and manipulate each other after sin came into the world. The relationship with the land was broken because it was now going to be hard work and frustrating to do what they needed to do. And even in themselves, things weren't, weren't, weren't right because they began to experience things like shame and guilt and fear. So even within themselves, their relationship with themselves, if you want to put it that way, that wasn't working. Just everything, the, the tiny little crack that just ran everywhere and broke everything. But it's still there. The goodness is still there. It hasn't been erased It has been affected. It hasn't been erased. So that thing you're thinking of, 
that I asked you to think of at the beginning that in some way is unpacking the world and enjoying what God has made, is managing the world for him, I reckon the odds are that in some ways that's a bit frustrating. It's not quite right. I don't know exactly what you're thinking about, but I reckon probably it doesn't go quite how you want it to go because that's the way the world is now. Nothing's quite right and sometimes things are very wrong. Maybe it's just physically demanding and physically hard. There's that aspect of ongoing aspect of the effect of sin. Perhaps people use it for selfish purposes, whatever you're thinking of. Perhaps egos get involved in the thing that you're thinking of. It becomes a point of contention. There's all sorts of ways in which the good things that God has made have been misused. Uh, After we finished Bible college, my wife and I, we went to live in Nowra, which is on the south coast of New South Wales. And uh, I don't know, someone gave us a budgie. I don't know who it was, but someone gave us a budgie. So I thought I'd better learn about budgies before I killed it. And I went down to the Shoalhaven Avicultural Society, which sounds very posh, but it's just people who like budgies, really. And I only ever went to one meeting because I went there and these two people, I'd like, I didn't know anybody, uh, but the two people who are obviously the, the, the chief cheeses of the thing got into this big argument about how you feed budgies. It's like in front of us, and I'm like, I don't, want, I don't know, I just wanted to not kill my thing, and now you two are going hammer and tongs in front of everybody. It's like, it's a budgie. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's just a budgie, fellas. But no, 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 no. Because their egos were in it, you see. So this good, like God, this part of the world God had made, isn't it? The birds and the bees, the whole lot. There's nothing you see that is not part of the world that God has made. We haven't actually created a single thing. We've rearranged things. We've reorganized them. But the original stuff, that's all from God. This good thing that God had made, but somehow they turned it into a war of egos. It's like, oh my goodness, I never went back. <laughs> never went back. The budgie lived out its life peacefully, as budgies do. Not a long one, but a happy one, I think. But that just shows you how even the good things that God has made, they can just become vehicles for us and our own selfish ambitions, can't they? They can, and it, it affects every area of life, even the Shoalhaven Avicultural Society. Who'd have thought? So there's nothing now that works like it should have. Still lots of good things, but all of them are a little bit bent. So we spend some time with students thinking about what is the effect of the fall on the area of life that you're thinking about. Uh, We had someone pick policing, being a policeman, policewoman. That was interesting because when you think about it, even in creation, there's law and order, right? There's only one rule, don't eat that fruit. It's not very complicated, don't eat that fruit. That's four words. Can hardly get it simpler than that. Still, we couldn't manage to keep even that simple one. We mucked that up. So there was law and order and right and wrong even before sin came into the world when you think about it. But now, pretty obviously, (laughs) there's a lot more of the of a requirement for law and order because if you read this story we've gone from eating the forbidden fruit in chapter 3 to murder in chapter 4 it's kind of escalated pretty quickly but even policing itself it's necessary because we're not very good at following the rules or looking after each other but even the way it's done can be affected by sin so people can do that do policing which is a good thing to do there's no doubt about that it's an excellent thing to do <laughs> we lived in a country where it wasn't done and it was not a happy place. So it's a good thing. But even that can become a vehicle for egos or it can be done in ways that dehumanise some people. It's a, it's a lot more to it than you think when you think about it. So we had a good chat about that. So this thing that you're thinking of, 
Uh, I imagine, I reckon, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't always go the way it should. It's a lot harder than it is, should be sometimes. And every now and again, probably not you, of course, not you, but other people manage to use it for their own selfish purposes. Not you, never. So that's the, way, the situation we find ourselves in now. There is much goodness in the world and much to be grateful for, but there's also a lot of brokenness out there and a lot of bentness and nothing goes quite the way it should. So the reason we do Christian worldview, one of the reasons is because I reckon it gives people a better explanation of how things work. Because we believe there is much goodness in the world, but there is also a lot of brokenness. Other people, they're just all happy all the time. Everything's happy, everything's fine. People want to ignore the problems of the world, or other people who just want to wallow in them and never get out of it. But Christians are realistically optimistic, I'd say, or optimistically realistic. One or the other. Is that, you know, six or one, half a dozen or the other about the world. Because we appreciate the goodness that God has made, but we recognise the effect of sin, our own and others. So that's where Jesus comes in. We've done two of the, th- of the four. This is the third one. This is what Colossians is talking about. We'll spend a little bit more time here. Jesus is the image of the invisible son, God, the firstborn over all creation. If you notice anything when I was reading it out, there's one word that's repeated over and over again in that chapter. It's not a very big word. It's not a very complicated word. The word is all. Yeah, well done. Somebody else picked it up too. Jesus is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn over all creation. Now that doesn't mean that there was a time when Jesus wasn't and then he was born. Firstborn is more like a a title. So there are other times in the Bible, for example in Exodus, where God says that Israel is my firstborn son. Now God didn't give birth to Israel physically, but it's a title of honour and respect. David is also considered to be, in Psalm 89, the firstborn son. God calls him the firstborn son. And that's not, again, God is literally not the father of David, but it's a kind of a title of honour and respect. And then here that title is being used in that sense of Jesus. He is the firstborn over all creation. In him all things were created. Things in heaven and things on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all of it was created in him, through him, and for him. Three different words in the same sentence, in, through, and for. It includes all the visible things that you can see and touch and taste and use. It also includes the invisible things. So the Bible's clear that what you see is not all there is. There's more to life than just stuff. There is an invisible world. There are rulers and powers and authorities. Actually, we have a subject about it coming up. Um, I'm running it, so I should know what it's called, shouldn't I? Spiritual conflict <laughs> is coming up in the middle of the year. It's all about how we interact with the unseen world. Because there it is, right there in verse 16, if you have a look at it. But whatever is out there, Jesus is the boss of that as well. We like to think that we own things, (laughs) that we have things, that they are ours, but actually everything is in him and through him and for him. If you only remember one thing about today, apart from the baptism, the second thing you need to remember is that everything belongs to God. (laughs) Everything is created in him and for him and through him. I had a friend once in church who reckoned the most important thing to teach your kids, first of all, was to be selfish. 
and only after that could you teach them to share I don't know about that I didn't have any trouble teaching my kids to be selfish <laughs> pretty much the first maybe they're geniuses <laughs> well I, I think they're pretty good but maybe, maybe they don't need the first, pretty much the first word kids say is mine yeah any other kids anyone else had kids like that I was probably like that too <laughs> I reckon most of us are mine 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 and the other one is no <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right we're pretty good at that we don't need much coaching I reckon I, I'm not convinced that Nick was on the right track there but actually everything belongs to God and everything exists in him and for him and through Jesus so if you want one challenge out of this go for a day without saying mine or my see how long you last start from nine o'clock tomorrow morning set your watch see how long you last because actually none of it is yours and none of the stuff is yours none of the people belong to you they're all in made in and through and for jesus and in him all things hold together uh, verse 17 there he is before all things and in him all things hold together if it wasn't for jesus poof all gone non-existence instant he's actually keeping the whole thing going it's not like the universe is a you know a really complicated watch and god has kind of wound it up and let it run and he's off doing i don't know whatever he does watching the tv and just letting it run down no 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 no. he's actually holding it all together and without him doing that gone all of it you might think that you know you're an important person a lot of people rely on you you keep it running you keep the show going you keep everything together well not really <laughs> maybe you do i mean you are busy but in him all things hold together and god was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him in verse 19 god was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him very strong statement about who jesus really is he's not just another person he's not even a really good person he's not even the best person he's divine he's divine whatever god is made of here it uses the word fullness all of that all of the fullness is actually in jesus so the father and the son are not the same but they're both made of all the fullness of what god is i don't really know what that means because i don't think any of us can really get to that level of understanding everything that god is it's just too big for us isn't it that's what keeps me in a living really trying to explain it so it's okay not to know everything but whatever god is made of all of that is in jesus he's not just another guy he's not even a prophet he's much more than that all the fullness of god is in christ and then through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven so all of the things including the thing that you're thinking about whatever it was i don't know come and tell me later i'd be really interested to know that thing which is of course part of all things also is being brought back into the right way of stuff through the work of christ all things are being reconciled through christ to god sometimes people get into this idea where what really what god's really interested in is religion i mean that's his business isn't it you know church and singing and praying and all that sort of stuff and of course that's all great but then people somehow they get this thought that what the rest of it doesn't matter 
what I do on Sunday or maybe Wednesday night as well if I'm very keen. Uh, that's what matters to God and nothing else matters. It doesn't matter that I'm a plumber or a mechanic or a physio or a teacher. Or, none of that really matters to God. The people out the front of the church, they matter, but I'm just kind of one of the whatevers who make up the numbers. I don't think that's true at all. And I don't think that because of this chapter, this, this passage here. All things created in and for and through him, all things belong to him and all things are being reconciled to him. Uh, we used to have, you know, in church, and kids' church, we had this Sunday school material and every now and again you have to order another lot. And we got this lot once and it talked about how we worship God. And it had these bookmarks, how we worship God, singing, praying, Bible reading, church attendance. I throw them out. Yes, I throw them out. Yes, we do worship God like that, but it's not incorrect. It's simply incomplete. It's simply incomplete. And this is the fundamental thing of Christian worldview, that everything belongs to God, everything is for God, and everything can be done in ways, all good things can be done in ways that honour God and that demonstrate in some way, in some shape, in some form, the fact that he is reconciling to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Everything matters to Jesus. Everything belongs to God. Everything comes from Christ and everything is for Christ. And so this is the tricky bit of the subject where we get people to think about how the thing they do is part of this reconciling process. I mean, it's not the whole story, but it's part of the story of that. And it's done in a way that brings things back together like they were meant to be. So uh, one of the students is writing about music. We always have somebody into music. Music is part of the world God's made because God made the potential for sound. He made the laws of physics. He made the ears. He made the brain, all of that. He made the heart and the emotions. So music is something that he created the potential for and we have discovered. Not me. <laughs> I'm not musical at all. There must be some musical gene and I don't have it. I mean, I appreciate it. I'm extremely grateful for those people who put time into it. But I am amusical if that's a thing. So... So I, I, like, I like seeing it, but I can't help anybody. When I first started working at church, uh, they said, oh, you know, Graham, you could lead the singing. And I said, oh, that's not a good idea. And they said, no, 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 you're a pastor, right? You can lead the singing. And I said, no, need different things. And they said, no, 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 no. Well, you know what happened after the service? Yeah, oh, we'll do the singing next week, Graham. We'll do the singing. I said, I thought that might be a good idea. <laughs> so... So I, I don't get it, I can't do it, but other people can. Of course it can be used in ways that very directly honour and worship God like we just had and we're going to have again. But it, be, it can be done in ways that honour God even outside this building. Music can be good in and of itself. And this is what our student is thinking through. She's, she's pretty good at it apparently. I've heard her sing, she's pretty good. Not just music with Christian words, but the music that is genuinely inspiring. Uh, performing and being part of a band in a way that's not about me and not about my ego. Uh, music that moves people and reflects the character of God, even when the words don't necessarily mention God. It's still a good thing. It's still part of the world that God has made and it can still be done in a way that honours God. Fourth movement, new creation. Spoiler alert, one day Jesus returns. And he's going to make everything like it should have been. 
Now, we definitely don't have time to get into Revelation, but it is one of my favourite parts of the Bible. Uh, we'll have a look. I'll read out to you. Here's another thing. You've got to listen when I read out just a little bit of Revelation 21. Listen for the words that bring and brought. Those are the two words, bring and brought. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb and its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Did you hear that? Bring and brought. I know it's, it's hard when you're not reading it. At least I find that difficult. Who was it that was doing the bringing and what were they bringing? The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into the new heavens and the new earth. The glory and the honor of nations will be brought into the new heavens and the new earth. This is a very different way of looking at the world to what I was brought up. I was brought up in a world with a world view that one day Jesus would like get this gigantic flamethrower and just torch the world, throw it into the big wheelie bin of history, and then start again. But maybe, look at what it says. If you can read it for yourself later on. The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into the new heavens and the new earth. What if the bits we get right get carried forward? Because now you have to think backwards a bit. Thinking back to creation, the world is good. God made a wonderful world. He gave people the job of looking after it, of managing it, of caring for it. Now, we do that more or less, sometimes more, sometimes less. But what if the bits we get right, the bits that really are actually splendid and glorious and honourable, what if they get carried forward into the new heavens and the new earth? And I get people to do this exercise. I say, pick, don't, don't, you don't have to answer. Pick a country of the world. What's glorious and honourable about that country? Does that get carried forward into the new creation? Because that's kind of what these verses are saying. That's a completely different way of looking at the world than I was brought up. Uh, I ask people to call out a nation. You don't have to do that now, but people call out, you know, Italy, what's glorious and honourable about Italy? Pizza. Oh, I don't think that's the best thing they've ever done. I mean, it's pretty good, but, you know, there might be a little bit more in the art than that. But anyway, what's good about and glorious and honourable about that particular nation? What's another nation? Pick one, pick anyone. There have been heaps of them. All the ones that have disappeared as well. What's glorious and honourable about them? That's a very different way of looking at the world, isn't it? It's different to how I was brought up anyway. There are genuinely good things in the world. They are, they are twisted, they are bent. I'm twisted and bent too in my own way. But one day, it will all be straightened out. <laughs> That's what I understand reconciliation to mean, straightened out. I used to... I used to make trains and planes for a living and muck around with cars in my spare time. And every now and again, for reasons never my fault, a car would get slightly bent. But you've got to straighten it out and reconcile it, I suppose. So I think of straightening it out like that. There are good things that will be carried forward. And your thing, whatever you thought of, it's part of the world that God has made. Yeah, it's not quite how it should be, and sometimes it probably definitely isn't. Jesus is bringing all things of which your thing is a part back into straight, back to straight with him and the good and glorious and honourable will be carried forward. We talked about this. It does require a little bit of imagination because there's always a couple of guys who want to do sport. And this year, one of the guys really got it because 
you think what what's good and glorious and honorable about sport and how would that work in heaven well he actually came out one day and said you know i've realized losing isn't evil right ah, it's interesting isn't it losing isn't evil so there's so much that we thank god for and so much that we think about and participate in we do it in ways that reflect or begin to show even in a small way what god is doing in christ reconciling to himself and we anticipate that one day even to a greater extent they'll be put finally and completely right so your thing i I don't know what it is i can't tell by looking at you but i'd love to know afterwards if you've got time to tell me how is it part of the world that god has made how is it bent and twisted how is it that you participate in it now in ways that begin to show the reconciliation that christ has brought and what do you think is glorious and honorable about it that will be carried forward there you go that's what happens in bible college you've done very well actually you are great listeners this usually takes us four weeks and uh four weeks of three hours to get through so you know we've been talking i've been talking about 20 minutes it's usually about 12 hours so it's kind of you know if you've got your head's a little bit hot from the thinking you know it's heated up a bit because of all the thinking that that's okay you know just have a have a rest you've done very well god is at work it's a good world that he's made we have mucked it up there's no doubt about that jesus is putting things right bit by bit we can see that in the lives of people around you one day everything's going to get a lot better let's pray heavenly father i just thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning to visit the church and to be a small part of the life of it for a day i thank you for everything you are doing in the lives of these people especially today Sinead. we do pray that you help us send us out in your power to live and work to your praise and glory amen